All right, happy Wednesday on the Longhorn Live stream. It is uh, Aaron Hogan, my first uh, appearance debut here tonight and hosting. What do you know? Excited to be here. You can see there's Rod Babers and there's Justin Wells. We've got a lot of Longhorn football to talk on the Longhorn Live stream on the On Texas uh, YouTube channel on a Wednesday night. Uh, we're three days of Texas football against the Rice Owls. There's recruiting news. There's uh, NFL news with the uh, final cutdowns. Who's making rosters and not making rosters? Justin Wells will have the latest on that. Uh, but guys, are you guys getting the itch? Rod, I know you are as a former player. You're starting to starting to feel it three days out. Where are we? Uh, there's no doubt about it, man. I get the butterflies. Hopefully those butterflies don't turn into bubble guts. Uh, but I got the butterflies, man. <laughs> I'm ready to roll. <laughs> you know, maybe Alabama that'll happen. But right now, man, I'm ready to roll. I'm excited. I've been, listen, guys, I've been watching rice film, Justin. I've been watching rice, man. I've watched three games of rice. That's how excited I am about watching football. So uh, I can't wait. I got notes ready to go. We can talk about the rice owls, but this is about Texas. I love the, what, what Sark said, man. This ain't about the embrace the hate. Ain't about the T-shirts. This ain't about Texas Tech. This is about Texas. This is about us. Uh, it's about our journey. So I'm all about it, man. I think it's going to be a special year. Let's get it started. All right. Well, yeah, rightfully so. The itch is there. Did you ever throw up before a game? Did that ever happen? You were no, there? man. No throw up. No, I didn't ever throw up before a game. I never had that moment. I, I did, that wasn't me. But I knew some guys that got real nervous. I, you know, I brought up the bubble guts. Honestly, I knew some guys who actually on the field during the game, they had, you know, some unfortunate um, happenstance <laughs> where Mother Nature called in the third quarter and boom, the white pants and everything and we had to fake the injury to get him off the field. But that's a different discussion. We ain't talking about that. My point is, yeah, stuff like that does happen. But it ain't happening to this Longhorn team. We ain't worried about that. But I never had that instance. I was never that nervous. He He's talking next level nervous now, Aaron. Like <laughs> this is and, – and this is something I want to ask, Rob, because I guarantee you fans want to know this stuff. Why is it before big games the stalls are full, like an hour before a big game? There is no way possible I can think or do anything like that before a game. But if you go, if you play basketball, you play football, you better get in a stall early. They are full an hour before kickoff, an hour before tip-off. Rod, why? Is it the nervousness? Why? It's a great observation, and, and you're right about that. I think it's a lot of – we can go deep on this. We won't, but we can go deep on this, all right? Yeah, dinner time. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> because I think a lot of it is, first of all, athletes are very regimented. So, yes. you know what I mean? You, you, you can kind of time things out that way depending on your diet and all that kind of stuff. Number two, on the football field, and that now it may be different. They had these little tents now, but there's – there's no porta potties, man. Like yeah. you, know, you got you got a whole half of football, and then you got halftime, and that's about it. And then after that, you got nothing. So um, I, I've, we've had to stand around Sims and guys, quarterbacks on the sideline while they have to go pee on the sideline. That's because it's happened. And yeah, man, I, I, twice in my football career at Texas, you know, it happened where a guy on the football field it wasn't an injury <laughs> with the bubble guts gone wrong. And so you're right. Before before you go out there, you need to make sure you take care of business. All right, yeah. get it all out so that you can go out there and feel light. You feel light. You feel good. That's part of it, man. That's part yeah. of it. We know that's part of the ritual. The regimen. I like it, Justin. Good question, yeah, Justin. On the uh, that's uh, investigative. The Rod said it. Journalism by Justin. Got to be light and free. Got to be light and free. You don't want an accident on the field, like Rod hey. said. Uh, Rod, take us behind that real quick. A, a, a game, game. You know, a player on a Wednesday, first game or any week. What's what's this week like? What's uh, Wednesday like? Uh, and practices. You know, you're gonna you're taper back as you get to Friday. Uh, what, what do you? Uh, this is when the coaches start getting nervous. The coaches start getting alleged too, because we're getting close to kickoff. What's uh, what's the player mindset? What's the locker room mindset? Uh, even against Rice is a 35 point favorite. Uh, but what's the player's mindset and what are the practices like Wednesday and Thursday? Oh, uh, you just ready to get it on. I mean, you're tired of practicing against one another. You've been doing that in spring and in training camp. Uh, you want to see and you want to see an unfamiliar foe. <laughs> You've been dealing with each other for a long time. So I think it's more excitement. I don't think guys are getting edgy as you get closer. It's excitement. Uh, there's a buzz around that building because it's real football, not the hypothetical football, not the spring football, not practice. We talk about practice. Talk about practice. No, no, not practice. We talking about the game where guys separate. So uh, I, I, I think it's more of an excitement and a buzz around there, especially when you know that the expectations are high. And that's what we all talk about a little bit too. And I want to flip this around on you guys a little bit, man. I, how what and Justin, I'll ask you what percentage of the practice reps and the practice periods this week do you think are actually 
uh, devoted to Bama in some way. It's actually a little piece of Bama material for the guys to learn and to to to, to get them familiar with that game plan. Because honestly, if I'm a coach, and I I think Sark's probably probably thinking along the same lines, I'm probably doing as much Bama this week as I'm doing Rice, if not more. You know, I, I think. I would. I think there was some. I know for sure there was some Bama stuff in the last two weeks. Okay, <laughs> uh, right after that, first, right before that first scrimmage, because mm-hmm. we saw some stuff where you know, hey, you know, an Alfred Collins on the edge. Why? Well, so you can set the edge because that's Alabama prep right there, one on one. So I think it's been a gradual install. Okay. Yeah. But on the week of Rice, I don't know, and that'd be something I, I would honestly ask you, like, how much do you think Matt Brown would bring up? like a big opponent in week two that y'all would face in non-conference, not to bemoan Rice, not to not to overlook because yeah. that's the coaching speak 101. Don't overlook, you know, go day to day, go one and oh, win the day kind of kind of deal. But I don't know how much of it's discussed this week, but I promise you they're not going to put an ounce of stuff they're going to use at Bama on the tape this week from against Rice. You're not going to see – you might see completely different stuff. Yeah. Oh, he knows. I'm telling you. <laughs> he agrees. Different stuff. And so that to me, I think there's some Alabama prep there, but I think that install honestly started maybe three, four weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. yeah working on it. And then that, the week off after the second scrimmage. And, yeah, but, you know, Rod, you and I on the morning show on the horn – uh, talked to the, the legendary high school coach, Todd Dodge, and he talked about, you know, we asked him the key and the recipe to winning three straight state titles and getting on a roll like that. And I thought it was real poignant. He talked about, you know, respect your opponent every week, you know, treat every opponent like the, the like they deserve it. Uh, that's how you end up blowing people out. I mean, the minute you stub your toes when you don't respect every opponent. Uh, and I would think if, you, if, the, if the coaching staff's at all talking Alabama this week, uh, that would be disrespectful to Rice. And you don't want that mindset creeping in, in my mind. Uh, but I think Justin's right that you would probably have done that the last three weeks in these scrimmages. Maybe the players didn't even know it, that they were prepping for Bama. That, that's the point that. I'm making. Like, I don't think the coaches are talking Bama. Right, I right. think what they do is they they put into the, the practice periods yep. and into all the different, you know, the practice scenarios and all the different concepts. The players don't even know it. They just know, oh, we're going up against this formation. This is the adjustments. This concept, this is the adjustments. They're thinking it through, familiarizing them with it. But there's no way coaches are saying, oh, man, all right, this week we got rice, but don't worry about them. We're prepping for Bama. I think it's done <laughs> on, in a, in a, on a clan destined in a clandestine level or in a covert level where the players themselves like how the cia and the fbi operate where the actual agents themselves don't know why they're carrying out the operation if there's a larger plan <laughs> at yeah. play here and i think oh, yeah. that's kind of if i'm a coach that's what i'm doing i'm i'm i'm, I'm sorry i'm putting them in there i'm putting it yeah. all in there because well, i know it i know y'all gonna beat down rice like they stole something the the, the goal against rice is to get arch manning in the game <laughs> All right, yeah. to get the third string quarterback in the game. So I, I'm just saying, if you want to, you want to shock the world, hey, you got to be unconventional. Well, and is that what Jay Wells, where some of these uh, analysts are helping? Right, you brought in, you know, and Paul Christ and uh, uh, you know Joe D. Camillus, and then on the defensive side, this they can be working ahead. That's kind of where you are now, right? You're in game prep. The coaching staff's installing the Rice game plan. There might be some sprinkles of what the, what's to come for Alabama. But man, uh, the, the, those analysts that, that have been head coaches and been around a lot, they're they're the ones probably doing that covert stuff, working ahead. It's been going on all through camp, all through the summer, all through the offseason. But now, really, and now you're going to see Alabama play a game. Uh, you're going to get to see them against Middle Tennessee State. They're a 30-point favorite. Longhorns are a 35-point favorite. But to me, that's where those guys can, you know, worth their weight in gold to really get that self-scout and get there that, that next opponent scout ahead of it uh, when you hit the ground running next Monday. That, and that's that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna respect Rice. They're gonna they're gonna keep everything in check. This group is it, it's embrace the hate. It, it, it reminds me of the Shock the Nation 1990. Wow. Right? And and I, Rod, I hadn't talked to you, but uh, Ian Boyd and I were kind of trying to find a comparison team to this year, roster wise, expectations wise, compared just in the past. And him and I started thinking about 2001 a lot. Mm-hmm. And we found a lot of similarities from veterans to freshmen impact guys to, you know, just situational type deals. And so it's going to be rice. They're going to talk about rice. There's a reason Rod has studied rice. The rice owls are, you know, (laughs) this is a team Texas should thoroughly dump. But like Rod said, they want to listen. 
you want to get through this game without injuries. You want to get through this game pretty clean on, on, on the on the penalty front. And at the end of the day, people want to see Arch Manning play. Get they want to see him get in that game and throw the football. And trust me, that place is going to get loud when it happens. And so <laughs> big question is going to be, does he come in as the backup? Or is it Malik Murphy as the backup? Because I guarantee you those guys are learning that information right now. And to me, that's going to be the most telling of all. Because in the spring, after the spring, I would have told you Malik Murphy's the guy. That's the that's your backup quarterback right there. He'd been there. He'd known it. You'd seen the development with Sark, the patience. After, after this fall camp, guys, that's a really tight race for backup quarterback. And so that's something else that fans want to see. Fans want to know. That might want to tell them something as well. There's a lot to, to, to we got it. We, we can't we can't think of Bama too much. There's so much to, to uh, anticipate with Rice. Agreed. Agreed. Let's talk well, Rice, baby. Let's talk about the mouse. Yeah, like let's talk about the mouse. <laughs> so, Jay Wells, you don't think there'll be a depth chart, do you, that'll be revealed no. at all? We're just going to watch and see how they come out, you know, play to play, series to series. There won't be a depth chart. There'll be that, there'll be that uh, little that piece of paper they give you in the press box. And it'll be juniors and seniors up and down on it. And it'll be an or around half the roster. Uh. And, and it, it's not going to tell you a whole lot. And you know what? There's a lot of depth on this team. There's a lot of good, solid depth on this team. And I think the depth chart to me, I think it's cool because you got a Trill Carter that logged 525 snaps from Minnesota last year. And an all Big Ten, all mention, he's a backup defensive lineman. You've got Gavin Holmes, who's the fastest DB on the roster, an all-ACC cat from Wake Forest, who's probably not going to start because Terrence Brooks is a future NFL star. Like, that's real depth. And, and yeah, we might not see a depth chart, even though you can go to InsideDexas.com. We've actually kind of helped everyone out on that if you want to check it out. We've got our own depth chart. But nice. um, <laughs> the truth is, like, that's, I think, what people want to see. That, that I think that's what's going to happen. Sark has been – if there's anything, he's not. He does. He's very ambiguous when it talks about injuries in the, in the depth chart, uh, and and I think the way he is he's spoken about these freshmen over the last few weeks, it's going to be so hard to 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 not start to see like the Anthony Hills and the Malik Muhammad's and and just start getting really excited. Yeah, okay. well, because you mentioned Gavin Holmes and Terrence Brooks and. All the reports that Manny Muhammad has had a great camp and uh, he's tremendous, he's tremendous. Yeah. He is on Ryan Watts heels and Ryan Watts is going to be playing on Sundays next year. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, all right. So we're uh, talking Longhorn football on Longhorn live stream. If you've got a question, fire it in. We'll start to fire some questions out here to our, our experts as we're getting this thing cranked up. Uh, also, there's some recruiting news, Jay Wells, that we can get to as the, the games are kicking off. Uh, Dominic McKinley, the five-star defensive tackle out of uh, say Louisiana, uh, what's the latest on that report? That's the big one. That, that That's the big decision on September 1st at 3.30 uh, from Diana High School down in Lafayette. You know, he's the number one player in the state of Louisiana. Texas is throwing hands to get the number one player again. Last year they went into to, to the Pelican State, pulled out Arch Manning, and then pulled out Derek Williams, the Raptor. And there's a reason they call him a Raptor. The dude is na- maniacal, nasty. Uh, that's another freshman I can't wait to see play. <laughs> he tracks and smacks, and it's nice. McKinley is is another one that I think Bo Davis has done a great job. Sark has done a great job. Terry Joseph, he's familiar with the area. He's done a great job. Guys, it's Texas OU or Texas A&M in this one. I think it's odd that LSU is kind of on the outside looking in. I think that is real odd because nobody keeps in-state talent in the state better than LSU. Nobody. So this that's a little surprising to me. Uh, Ohio State's in the mix because Larry Johnson's a great coach and they've got a great relationship. But I don't think he wants to get that far away from his family. I don't. I know for a fact his mother doesn't want him to go that far. And so Ohio State feels a little less likely. Texas OU and A&M, I, it, it's a three-way race right now. I've got an RPM for, for Texas I put in about a month ago. Dominic had been pretty adamant about where he wanted to go when, when he left his official visit in Austin in, in late June. Um, but A&M and OU have made it interesting. Todd Bates is going to be at his game on Friday night, uh, uh, D-line coach at Oklahoma. 
Uh, A&M's D-line coach is supposed to be there. Uh, Bo Davis is supposed to be there. Granted, they're also playing uh, Melvin Hill's team, Lafayette Christian. Uh, but gives you an idea that this thing is still in the air, up in the air. Like this is a, a, a just a, a lockdown drag out. And here's the thing to remember. Whenever a player, a prospect sets a date, they mm-hmm. generally know where they're going. Uh. But once that date is set, that's when the clock starts, you know, ticking and it becomes so much more pressurized. Uh, his family's tremendous. His mom's tremendous. He's got a little brother, uh, Darius McKinley, 6'3", 215, edge backer. Uh, that's going to be a high four-star, low five-star prospect in the next two two cycles. Um, guys, just hang on tight. This one's going to be a tough – this is a bumpy ride. I, I, right now, I think it's a three-way fight, and mm. I think it could go e- any way in the last 48 hours. Interesting. Ooh. And so it's September 1st, is that right, Jay? September 1st at 3.30, a uh, little bit, a couple hours before, three or four hours before his game. Okay, before his high school game on Friday. Uh, afternoon and uh, hmm. Oklahoma, Texas A&M and Texas. So obviously if Texas doesn't get him, Rob, that's going to sting uh, because you're going to be facing the, uh, that player on a rival team. Can't get them all out of Louisiana. They did a great job last year with Arch and Derek Williams, as you mentioned. But interesting that uh, Brian Kelly is uh, losing the, the state of Louisiana, it feels like. He's, you know, did good, did great in year one, overachieved playing the SEC title game. Uh, but that's not a good sign if he's not keeping, you know, he's not building the wall around that border like previous successful LSU coaches did. That's why this is a big year, I think, for Brian Kiss. A big year for Texas, too, because Texas is starting to, to poach more of those kids from Louisiana. My mom and daddy swamp people from both from Louisiana. <laughs> I know how much talent is, is in Louisiana. A lot of those folks, that talent in Houston comes from Louisiana. Like, mom nope. and daddy basically from Louisiana. You know that, Justin. South so, Louisiana. Yeah, you look at it, basically, Louisiana, probably the last. And let me know if I'm off here, Justin, because you're the recruiting guru. Five, six, seven years, how far you want to go back? You're looking at NFL players uh, uh, produce per capita, state to state. <laughs> Louisiana is always, am I right, Jason? Always in the top five. To, it's ridiculous. Top five to seven. It's ridiculous. Listen, oh. the, South Louisiana has been stockpiling Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi State, Florida. Like they've been stockpiling the SEC for years. Yep. And, and LSU runs that state. That has never changed. <laughs> and now we're, we're seeing a small shift in it, and I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know. If, if, if LSU and Brian Kelly win this year, I, I, I think that gets changed real fast. Mm-hmm. I remember the Ryan Paraloo saga and how much he's now a cuss word in my home because that, you, you just can't <laughs> underestimate LSU in state. It's like a damn law. And so at the end of the day – you know, the McKinley recruitment is interesting. The shift with LSU. You know what? They've got Florida State week one, Aaron. I think the, the Seminoles are a better team. I, I, I'm not convinced Jaden Daniels is the guy right now. And so LSU's kind of – this is a big year for Brian Kelly. Rod's right. This is this is. There's a lot of eyes on him this year because last year they, they, they stumbled a little bit, but they had a big Bama win. And that, that does – you know, that's a great mulligan for your first season – but they've been used to a lot of success over the last decade or you know, dec- last two decades. And so yeah, the recruiting in LSU, if you start seeing kids looking out more and more, Alabama's going to always come in and take a few. Texas A&M, for years, you may not see them as much as in the last few years, but back in the 80s and the 90s, A&M was all out, all through South Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They used to have a home-and-home home with LSU forever, it seemed like. And so there's always people going in there to get kids. It's just rare that you pull them out, not with LSU. Oh, it's interesting. Any other uh, recruiting updates? I know uh, there, there's other five stars. Do we have any other dates, or is there all those going to be pending through the football season? Yeah, right now that's pretty much Dominic McKinley's the, the main subject. Texas and Rice, the, the, the visitor list we've got at InsideTexas.com right now, it's growing. We're adding a few names each day. Wardell Mack. Marrero, uh, West Bank kid over from New Orleans, uh, John Aaron High School. He's a Florida commit. He's going to be on campus for the Texas Rice game. Um, a handful of other guys, you know. But I think the thing to talk about, and we'll probably get on these on future live streams, next week, in, in two weeks, Texas is hosting Wyoming. And they've got already a handful of big, big names coming in for that. And I think what you're seeing is Sark being strategic. He's planning on going to Tuscaloosa and winning and Bryant Denny that night because the very next weekend he has some of the best in the country coming to Austin. He's going to use that momentum to really give this final jolt into the 2024 cycle. 
because they're already at, what is it, 16, 17 commits. There's probably seven, eight spots left maybe, probably maybe a couple more. It's nut-cutting time right now, and a lot of things are about dominoes are going to start happening. They beat Bama. Danny Okoye is on campus, number five edge in the country out of Tulsa, homeschool kid. Got to go see him over the summer. Ryan Wingo on three, industry-ranking five-star wide receiver, which if you saw any of his highlights last week, he's he's disgusting. He's dirty. He, he is, he's a top, top target for a reason. Sark's been on him for almost two years. And so then that's when recruiting is going to pick back up a little bit. Right now, though, it's going to be – you're not going to have that, that big of a list this weekend. Next weekend, though, what's funny is in Alabama, there's a ton of Texas kids that are going to be in Alabama for the Texas game. Terry Bussey, five-star athlete out of um, Timpson, he's going to be there. Casey Poe, the number one rated inside interior offensive lineman in the country. He's out of Lindell, Texas. He's an Alabama commit. He's going to be there. Don't get me started on Casey Poe either because Casey Poe grew up a Texas Longhorn fan through and through, and I'm not questioning Kyle Flood. I'm not going to question his evaluations. I understand the large human quota. Casey Post is the number one guard in the country. Dude's a monster, and I can't understand them kind of neglecting Poe, but needless to say, recruiting is, after McKinley, there's not a whole lot there because people just want to see Texas football right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting, Rod. I mean, the uh, how big that Alabama game is, right? I mean, the uh, the momentum it can be either way, right? If you if you go in there and get thumped, uh, that that obviously wouldn't be good. It would stall some momentum. Wouldn't it wouldn't dull the the opportunity for this Texas team to, to achieve their goals and get where they want to go in the Big Twelve. But the recruiting momentum could could take a hit with that. But as as Jay Well said, the, the a win there, wow, what a springboard that could be uh, to a great season. But also what that would mean to the recruits because anytime you beat Alabama, uh, whether you're A and M or LSU last year, it's going to give you a jolt. Yeah, I mean that yeah, exactly. I I remember Jerry Jerry Hamilton saying that he thinks that recruiting wise, just for recruiting, he thinks that Alabama win is would be bigger and better for recruiting than even winning the Big Twelve title, just because wow. it would have so much. It's it kind of like TCU, right? TCU went to the national title game, they didn't win the Big Twelve. <laughs> they had their best recruiting season in over the history of the program. Yeah. It, you know, sometimes, you know, what it depends on the perception of the season and how everything finishes. But that win, that's no doubt, Justin. You're right about it, bro. That's why I'm thinking about it too. And you're right. We need to focus on rice. Because uh that, that Alabama game right now, there's no doubt, even for the players, it's probably hard to ignore. And coaches got to keep the guys focused uh right now on the task at hand. There's no doubt. I haven't been what's the last game that was that big? The Texas LSU game, right? I mean, that 2019. Was, yeah. Yep. And, you know, it's like, and by the way, that Texas LSU game was big, but we didn't know at the time LSU was going to be the national championship, you know, winner. So, Neither did they. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So for, for, for this game, at least we know we're going against the GOAT. You know, it's the GOAT and it's at Alabama. That, you know, I think that raised the stakes. So I, 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 I think this game might be as big, if not bigger, than that game. Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially with this being the last year in the Big 12 and what that could mean for the future. Oh. Uh, Jay Wells, you've also been looking and uh, scouring the waiver wire today and yesterday in the NFL. Uh, I know a lot of Longhorn fans here on the Longhorn live stream been watching to see who makes teams, who doesn't. We know Colt McCoy got let go on Monday, surprisingly, by the Cardinals, who are tanking their season. Uh, <laughs> he'll find work. He'll find work. But uh, what, else, what else have you noted? Guys who have made it, guys who have not. And then there's guys who are making that practice squad. The Cardinals are tanking like it's the NBA lottery, man. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Um, if they start Josh Dobbs, I, I don't get it. I, I'd like to see actually Clayton Toon. He's a Texas high school football quarterback, played at University of Houston. He was actually a recruit with, with Sam Ellinger uh, a couple years, you know, back in the day. And, you know, he, was, he, was, he visited Texas. And so the Cardinals, man, that <laughs> – could you, I, I don't know if a franchise is more regretful of that Kyler Murray contract. I mean, good oh. night. How bad is that? But guess what? There's still a lot of horns in the league. Arizona still has Keonta Ingram, played three years in Austin, graduated from USC. Chris Boyd, who had been drafted by Minnesota and played Minnesota for the last four years, or last three years, he, he signed a new uh, one-year deal with Minnesota. He's going to be their special teams guy, uh, just like he was for Minnesota the last few years. Um, a couple guys that didn't make rosters. L.J. Humphrey, he's on the uh, practice squad with the Broncos. Uh, Malik Jefferson, he's on the practice squad with the Dallas Cowboys. DeMarvion Overshawn was moved to the pup list, obviously. There, nothing was going to happen with him, with him being out for the season. Um, and then I'm trying to think if there was anybody else. 
I think that about had it. Oh, Deshaun Jameson got cut by the 49ers after getting a ridiculous signing bonus as an undrafted free agent. <laughs> he was, they liked him. They liked him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were draft picks that didn't get that bonus. Uh, Carolina Panthers picked him up. He's going to help them in the kick and, re- and return game as well moving forward. And so um, right now, 31 horns on NFL rosters, and I think you'll see – seven or eight, maybe nine added next year. So right now that's they're they're holding steady. Rod uh, Deshaun Jameson, I know you liked him as a player, and that's a good spot for him, Carolina. That San Francisco team might have been a little bit too loaded for him uh, with all the talent mm-hmm. they have and their expectations. Carolina, uh, their new coach, Bryce Young's a quarterback, a lot of young players there. They're going with the youth movement, and that's a good spot for Deshaun to land. Uh, yeah, and uh, as you know, Justin mentioned, I mean, he's a guy that gives you added value because he can help you in the kick. He can cover kicks. He can go, you know, try to block kicks. He can also be a guy that returns. He's one of the best returners that we've actually had in a really long time in Texas. We just didn't see it a ton because Sark was bringing in a lot, a lot of uh, other talent and had X-Man back there returning a lot of kicks too. But there's no doubt he can help a team in a lot of ways on special teams. But as a player, I mean, I think he's underrated. I mean, he's, a, he's definitely a ball hawk. He's got that in him naturally. Um, and I think if you put him in the right system where he's basically in more zone coverage, uh, I think he actually can fit on a end up making a roster. I think he's got that kind of ability as a ball hawk, but the right system can, you know, as long as it's compatible with his skill set, I think he's a guy that can, you know, get make a, you know, make a make a career in the league and a career. The average career in the league, by the way, is three and a half years. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the average career in the league. So when I say career, that's what I mean. <laughs> he gives me Josh Thompson vibes. He's gonna stick Ooh, like, he's, like he's doing with the Titans. What what Josh is with like Chris Boyd is. Keaton Crawford's going to have a niche in the NFL. I don't know how long he's going to play, but special teams is such an important factor now. Every man on that 53 is so important now and so valuable that we're going to see those type of players because they're such good athletes already. And all that's they need to do is put in the right system. That's how Adrian Phillips started, though. Remember, he was a special teams kind of age. He's drafted. He's exactly. still in the league. Still in he's, the league. With, yeah, with Belichick. Maybe yeah, pretty he's still too. in the league. Great career with the Chargers. Pro Bowl. Adrian Phillips is a great example. Wasn't it uh, Garland? I think he came out of Garland, if I remember correctly. Okay, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This is Rod, I don't remember where that money. came from. Because, Rod, he got to that second contract. He made some pretty good cash. Yes, he did. Uh, he's got a little, little money going. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Uh, all right, let's answer some questions as the uh, live stream rolls on here. Good stuff on the background. Week of... Uh, here's Colton. Look at him. Appreciate him being a super chat sponsor. Uh, we have talked a small amount about the three high flyover defense. I'm curious what the best way for an offense to counter that scheme. I know Rod mentioned Paul Christ higher, uh, could be based on that. Take them deep into that, Rod. I know you've done oh. you know, your deep dive paperwork on the, the three high because it's been the kryptonite for Steve Sarkeesian. I think TCU last year, Arkansas year one, uh, many a team, Iowa state gives him trouble. Even back in his Alabama days, mm. Steve Sarkeesian has uh, had a hard time trying to try to, light up the scoreboard against that three high defense. Yeah. Based on the numbers that I have, basically Texas against that three high three down defense with Sark as the play call, of course, in the last two years, you're talking about uh, a nine point difference, actually over a nine point difference. So it's scoring nine fewer points uh, compared to his average uh, offensive output when he faces a three high three down defense. And if you juxtapose it to when he faces traditional single high, two high uh, structured defenses uh, compared to the three high defenses, that number grows even more. We're talking about close to two touchdown difference. Uh, that's a big difference. And he'll face 
three teams this year that major or minor in the three high. And everybody now takes the concept from it. I saw a rep when I was watching Rice of Rice having a pressure package and running a their version of a three high, three down look. So everybody's taking little bits of it. But the teams in the Big 12 that, ma- that minor in it, major in it, uh, Iowa State, you know, John Haycock, he popularized it. Uh, that was his baby, and they run it as well, if not better than everybody else in the country. And then K-State likes to run it as well. Yeah. And then, of course, TCU likes to run it. So that stretch right there, both Purple Kryptonites and Iowa State, that's a stretch right there that Longhorn fans need to be a little bit concerned about. I think Sark is finding a way to to remedy this issue. I think a big part of it, and I'll you know I'll spare you all the the details about it. We can get into that a little bit later on. When you play one of these teams, we can dive into it. But what has what what my research shows me is that the power running game, specifically Texas's six O line package has actually shown disproportionately amount of success and productivity versus those three high three down teams. Also, my research has shown me that empty formation last year, Texas empty formation versus three high three down defense was also really successful, high success rates, high productivity rates, high explosive play rates. So my theory is that this year when Sark faced, that's why he brought in Paul Chris, who also loves Six O-line packages, hippo packages, jumbo packages from his time at Wisconsin. He knows the power run game, big humans. I think when you face those off those defenses, I think you can see Sark pivot to a lot of six O-line packages in the running game and empty formations and packages in the passing game. A little tidbit in that Washington game in the Alamo Bowl, that was the best game Quinn Ewers had all season out of empty formation. He was seven of eight. He was dealing out of empty. He's comfortable in it. Your weapons are now better than ever. Your offensive line now is more massive and more experienced than ever before. I think that's going to be the key. I think Sark knows it too. I think Sark sees the same thing I'm seeing, and that's going to be the way he solves the three high, three down. If he doesn't, they won't win the Big 12. Somebody will trip them up somehow. Rod, any thought on uh, that 6-6 six, six offensive line? Last year that was Andre Carrick a lot of times. He'd come in. He'd even change jerseys sometimes. He's at Tennessee now as a transfer. Uh, who would you project potentially could be that that sixth line? Is there any way to know until we see it? Yeah, that's a great point. Justin actually yeah, might that, know yeah, it's, Neto, it's Neto yeah. Omiozulu. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Now, Cam Williams also has some work there as well. And you're going to see a different a jumbo package with maybe a sprinkle of Byron Murphy as well. But, uh, oh. but, just, but for that big t- tackle spot that Andre Carrick was at uh, last year, that's going to be – it looks like Neto Umiozulu right now and, and Cam Williams. Okay, there you go. That's the inside scoop. All right, uh, thank you, Colton. Appreciate that. Brandon, uh, number of starters on defense uh, – drafted next year, 10 or more. Uh, number of starters on defense. Right, who are the guys that, that jump off your brain and, and Justin, you too, <laughs> that maybe uh, – That's a little play. high. That's a little Ooh. high. I mean, but that, yeah. that might be a little Jim Harbaugh-ish right there. A little Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> um, drafted next year. Yeah. Oh man. Mm. Well, Jalen Ford, of course, is is top of mind, right? Jalen Ford is going to be drafted. Right. Let's pretty- do them in order. Let's do them in order. Quinn Ewers is, will be the first horn off the board. Okay. Yeah. 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 Agree. Okay. Agree. Yes. Quinn Ewers is the top guy off the okay, board. Okay. Okay. And then um, Jatavian oh, Sanders. JT Sanders. X, JT Sanders and X-Man are your next two. I don't know. Right, whether, right. Either late first, X, early yeah, second. I'd, yeah, I'd say X-Man, then JT. But, hell, JT could have a huge year, and it could end up being JT as well. Right, right. Um, Mitchell could have a big year. So, you got to think. Jalen Ford is not getting out of the second round. He would have gone in the second last year. He's not getting out of the second round. O- only reason I'd say he might drop it, I'm with you, is because of the value of the position. It's not a premium position. You're right. But football wise, I'm with you. I, I I think he's he should have been defensive player of the year in the Big 12 last year, but different discussion for a different day. No so question. you're right. Um, and honestly, what do you think about Jaron Thompson? Okay, Is, I Jaren think Jaron. Okay, Jaron's got a spot on a 53 man roster. I don't know if it's through he the gets draft. drafted. Yeah, I don't know if he's getting drafted. Jalen Catalan has a spot on a 53 man roster. I don't know if he's going to get drafted now before mm-hmm. the shoulder surgeries. I would have said absolutely, but he's all people have to remember he's got a lot of Bob Sanders to his game. Yes, he does, which includes some injuries there. And because he plays with a, a maniacal effort, that, that's the way Catalan's wired. And so at the end of the day, those two guys may not be drafted. You may have two of the smartest safeties this secondary has seen in the last 20 years. Great point. 
they are always going to be in the right position. Guys aren't – you're not going to see an offensive front they're not going to be familiar with. They're both also very smart, smart guys, but they may not get drafted. And that's not a knock on them. The no. NFL, Rod understands, values potential. What's the potential that you could get to? Not the production. What could you potentially be and what investment do we value that potential? And so Christian Jones will get drafted in the you know fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth round. I think he's got too much size, too too much ability not to, especially being a, a veteran. Um, what about Ryan Watts? Ryan Watts, I think, gets mm. drafted, but man, he is mm. big. Okay, like, <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he's too specialized right now man, with his size as a so- boundary corner. I think because I'm with you. I think his size. I heard Michael Griffin talking about I, he projects as a safety in the league. Yes. Um, I do wonder if he's too specialized now for a team to go. Oh, I'll draft him rather than make him a project uh, as a developmental guy. I think if he has a big year, I think he will because this is dimensions. His measurables right. are just too uh, too impressive to ignore. Six three, uh, two fifteen, yeah. a wingspan of a condor. He, he he's got those measures. It's just the, the speed. There's no twitch. Yeah. Two and the league, when you put a man on the corner, man, you better bring some twitch. Yep. You, better, you better be able to flip those hips. And I think Watts will have value. And this is what's crazy about this secondary, Aaron. Ryan Watts is probably going to get drafted next year. He's very he's definitely going to be on the NFL roster. Terrence Brooks is probably the most talented. And Manny Muhammad probably has the most upside. You know, especially if, if he's already stretched to 6'2 already, he's probably got the most upside. And so – Ryan Watts might be the guy that gets drafted or goes all Big 12, but Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks in 2025, I mean 2024, is ridiculous. Can I throw these logs on the fire to Vondre Sweat and Alfred Collins if he has a great year? Sweat's going to get drafted, Rod. You agree with that? Yeah. Collins will get drafted on that potential. I mean, that's – I don't know about Collins. Like, I don't know what the league – how they see him. To me, he's an old school strong side defensive end. He's like Greg Ellis, the old North Carolina strong side defensive end that played basketball, was drafted by the Cowboys. I think Mac Brown, I think he actually played for Mac Brown in North Carolina. Greg, Greg, Greg Hill. Greg Ellis. I got it right. And so that's what Collins reminds me of. But man, I really got to see something this year. I think the NFL would agree they want to see something. I want to know what you think. Uh no, I'm with you. I mean, Alfred Collins. Even if he has a down year, so I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get drafted, but some team's going to take a chance on him. Even yeah. he had a down year because of his his body and his size. But I believe if he has a if he has the breakout year that has been buzz all the buzz in the offseason, yeah, man, there's no doubt you could have three guys on that D line get drafted. You had two last year, yep. Um, you know, but you could have By- we know Byron Murphy, Devondre Sweat. And then you'd have Alfred Collins in that conversation too. So I don't know. Maybe Brandon, Brandon, you're, maybe you're not so off based on our yeah, prognostications right not. now. I think that's we're at like not. eight right now, ain't we? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you got five on offense. I think you have five on offense if Christian Jones gets drafted because you're going to have the two receivers, Mitchell and Worthy, JT and Quinn. Christian Jones is five. That's five on the O. Defense, you're talking uh, Ryan Watts, Devondre Sweat, maybe Alfred Collins. Jalen uh, Ford, Jalen Catalan, Jalen Ford. So you're you're getting close to ten. Brandon's not that far off, and uh, we'll see. Uh, and Jordan Whittington, any shot? Has he has he got a chance to find his spot in the league, or is he a college player only? I think he can. I think if Jay Witt ends up in the right spot, some team will take a chance on him as a practice squad guy. But the history of the injuries and not enough productivity being featured in the passing game. Now, nah. in the wide receiver position, honestly, guys, I think it's the deepest position in football. I, it's just at every damn level. Everybody's got good wide receivers. You can go to Central Texas high schools and see really impressive wide receivers all over the place. It's it's so deep. I think that hurts my man, Jay Witt. But, you know, I'm a huge Jay Witt fan. I think the NFL, though, when they put you – if he does get invited to the combine, which I'm not even sure that happened, if he does, they'll poke and prod him and they'll find out his injury history and that'll drop his draft stock just – so much where I doubt he'll get drafted. Yeah, the medicals. Hey, Jay Wells, what about Isaiah Nayer? We haven't seen him, but there has been some buzz when he came in from Wyoming that maybe he's a guy that uh, also has that big body, and if he runs the right 40 and is in a good place, he also could be a guy. Nayor, I've been on record as saying, Nayor, it was two two wins last year. There was not a bigger loss. That Mm -hmm. injury did not – There was nothing could have crippled that team more. Couldn't have happened. 
People said, well, but lose Bijan. You would have not dropped off too much because of Rashawn and Brooks and all those guys. Nayor took away the deep threat. They took away the vertical. They tried to force Worthy into a into a, a position that just wasn't his niche. That's how valuable Nayor is. That's how good he is. He he's he's getting I love how they really took their time with him. No rush, no contact too early. Everything was, you know, real rigid, real strong, real solid. Nayor is a guy that I think people will underestimate. He'll come out on the field in a, you know, in, in a rotational sense. They're not going to be paying attention to him because it's not going to be number five, Mitchell. It's not going to be number one worthy. So they're not, they're going to exhale just a little bit. They're going to take their foot off the pedal just a little bit, and Nayor's going to go past him. Yeah. And it's gonna, he's going to do that to a handful of people this year. He's going to be taken for granted in a Casey Kane type style. He's going to get taken for granted. And Nayor, if healthy, listen, Nayor was fantastic last year. Him and Quinn Ewers had great in, uh, synergy in, in, in the spring. That one was a bad – that one stung. And it was funny because immediately after the season, Sark went for somebody in that position. He oh, knew yeah. instantly, I yeah. have to have a guy with size that can at least take the safety. I have to have a guy that can at least make these guys – uh, you know, honest because the bracket coverage was killing Xavier Worthy's confidence, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the word on Isaiah Nayer again, we haven't seen him play. You've heard about him, work ethic through the roof. Like he, you know, he's got his own wide receivers coach and he puts in the time, which yeah. also will show well with NFL scouts if he you know, has a good year, becomes that third big option, uh, and then you know, has, has himself a good combine and the medicals check out. He could be a guy because he's he, what is he, 6'3? Yeah, he's 6'3", but probably 200 pounds, 190, 200 pounds. He's a big drink of water, and he and, he, and he's healthy. That's the biggest thing. Listen, yep. Quinn Ewers has some toys now. Sark, there's no excuses, guys. There's toys all over the field. There's toys all over the floor. They should get after it. Okay. Uh, let's get another question in. Uh, we appreciate those coming in. Uh, Ski is in. Can we uh, crack the top 10 in the 24 class, or is the top five out of reach, Jay? It's Probably if out of top five might be out of reach. Listen, you beat Alabama week two, all bets mm. are off. Because you'll yep. flip, you're gonna flip a D lineman somewhere, you're gonna flip somebody else if you want to. All bets are off. But in likelihood, it's gonna be a top ten. If you can get a top ten ranking, that's ideal because Texas loaded up in the last two cycles and there's not a lot of spots. And so, and plus people also recruits pay attention to that. They see the offensive line getting stockpiled in the last two cycles. So you're not going to see as many. There's not even a linebacker take in this cycle right now because they took four, if you count Jelani McDonald, five last year. And so that'll have something to do with it, possibly only getting it around the top 10 status. Then again, there's five stars on the hook on the trot line. Okay. Dominic McKinley, Kobe Black, Terry Bussey, Brandon Baker, Ryan Wingo. Danny Okoye, borderline, five-star. So so understand, a win at Bama could change the dynamic of this class. I'm never going to discount that. But right now, a top 10 is probably the most ideal because you're just not going to have as many guys in this cycle. Okay. Uh, Scott, thank you very much. Or Ski, appreciate it. Uh, Bill, who's this year's Stonehands DB? No one's catching the <laughs> ball on that side of the field, not even him. That's Rod Babers. Who's our guy? Who's that, Rod? Oh, man, honestly – that's a great question because to me, my basically I'll just go with my favorite defensive back. Uh, my favorite DB in the secondary is probably Jade Barron right now. Uh, I just love his style of play. Love watching him. You can tell he watches a ton of film, and I've talked about this before. You know, he he has no he plays with no fear, right? I I, I watched a lot of film too, and you pick up on all those clues. You're looking for uh, you know different trends and patterns based on formations, I call it being a football investigator, right? You're picking up all these clues pre-snap and you're trying to put a picture together, narrow down the ways a, a, an opponent can exploit you. And Jade Barron probably is the best football investigator in that secondary. And that's why he had 11 and a half tackles for loss from a defensive back position, which is wild. Like I said, last time that's happened on the 40 acres where a DB had 11 and a half tackles for loss, it was Ricky Churchman. In 1978, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You got to go way, 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 way back. Um, so he he plays with no fear. When he sees that the, 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 the clues and the hints that he's given pre-snap match his film study, it matches his preparation, he goes. No fear in his game. I think this year they'll probably try to hit him with some double moves because he's so damn aggressive. Uh, but that guy plays the game how I wish I would have played it. 
And I played with guys like that. Nat, my band Nasty Nate, Nathan Basher, played the game like that. Huff Daddy Texas played high. the game like that. East Texas. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, I, I, I just love his game. Um, he's got great hands, though. He, I wouldn't call him Stone Hands. Um, who's, uh, you know, I, I think Ryan Watts probably, I don't think he's got good hands. And Ryan Watts plays with his back to the football a lot because he's playing man-to-man coverage, which I appreciate it because I played a lot of bump and run man-to-man coverage. No help. Put me on the island. The sideline is my only friend. <laughs> right? That's who I got to help me out. That's the extra man I'm playing with. So I like Ryan Watts' game too. He's a technician. He's all about being a repeat, the perfect rep over and over again, playing press man at the at the line of scrimmage. So I got a lot of respect for his game too. Uh, so those, yeah, those, those are my guys. I, I'm a corner, so I'm a little bit biased. Love that. Uh, great question. And Rod, uh, you know, Hold up. Let's get to the question. I want you to mention that, and then we'll get to East State's question because you've talked about this, and we've talked about it a lot in the morning show on the horn. Uh, you know, you need guys on defense to have a great defense. You need guys that are habit players, but then you need those guys that are playing their playing their role. Uh, you know, staying in their position, holding their gap, uh, staying yep. in their lane, and they, those, that's it. to have a great defense. You need both, right? You need ball hawks who will take those chances, but you also need guys. And you describe yourself as one of those guys who just knew his role, played his role. Yeah, I, you know, I, obviously Stone Hands was not a ball hawk. I'm fourth all time in PBUs, but not the good kind, not the celebratory PBUs where you knock the ball down and you, you know, you celebrate and you pump up the crowd. Mine where you knock the ball, I, I dropped the ball and I, you know, I do this, hands on my head and I'm upset and everybody's yelling, Stone Hands. So there were those kind of PBUs. But um, you do need those havoc minded guys. For, see, Texas last season, Jalen Ford actually led the Big 12 in havoc plays. Those are your forced fumbles, your fumble recoveries, your interceptions, your PBUs, sacks, tackles for loss, splash plays on defense. He led the Big 12. He was the most havoc-minded player, all right, havoc-wreaking player, if you will, in the Big 12. And actually, if you look at it, DeMarvion Overshone and Jade Barron were also in the top 10. And that's why your defense actually was as good as it was. Now, even with that being said, you want more takeaways. They only had 14 of those last season. Actually had 14 in, in, in back-to-back seasons, in back-to-back years. That's not enough, guys. That was ninth in the Big 12. That was ninth in the Big 12. Um, even though turnover margin-wise, Texas actually was tied with K-State offense-wise for the fewest giveaways. So they didn't turn the ball over much, but the defense didn't take the ball away enough. So what you need now is guys who are natural ball hawks. I've talked about this. They There's certain guys who believe they have a right to the football. They were born that way. They were programmed that way. I was not programmed that way. I didn't, I didn't play football that way. I was programmed to defend a man, and I, I was good at it. I was a technician, I was, and I actually have paid attention to all the nuances and details defending a man. But Nathan Vasher and Michael Huff and Derek Johnson, I tell the Derek Johnson story all the time. This dude came in as a freshman, Justin, and he would he naturally started punching the ball out after he would secure the tackle with the upfield arm, and he would punch the ball out with his – with the other arm, and everybody went, damn, that's pretty good. And the coach said, God, we're going to start pre- – that's a drill. We made it a drill. Nobody taught Derrick Johnson that. Derrick Johnson was already doing that when he came here. Nathan Basher, that guy started hawking the ball for, as a freshman at a different position. Some guys, they're built different. They believe – they think football first, man second. And you need to have guys who think that way. Malik Muhammad, I, I believe he thinks that way. Anthony Hill thinks that way. You know, Jalen Catalan thinks that way. You better have those guys. Those, those guys take chances, so they're going to get beat every now and then. But that's why you have guys like Rod B. I'm a stabilizing force, right? <laughs> you got guys who are just Ryan, Ryan Watts, stabilizing force in there. You need those guys as well. A healthy balance. Yeah, maybe a David Benda linebacker in his fifth year as a senior. All right, Rod, last time we had a dominant defense under Muschamp, he says, was a, uh, had a clear identity on money downs. Uh, man deny. What do you think the schematic identity of this team should be on the money downs? Third down, fourth down. They did, struggled with that last year. Yeah, Not zero that. blitz. <laughs> yeah, Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando. <laughs> no man it's i i'm still as, as strange you bring that up i'm actually doing a, a deep dive on it right now i'm going to go back and watch all the money downs uh before my wife makes me deep delete all the games from last season off the dvr <laughs> i'm going back and watch all the money down because I'm, I'm interested too because texas was that's see this is the best thing about the texas defense right east eighth is that they were a good defense last year just good 
but they're actually there are so many ways that they can become a great to elite defense. They were below average on money downs, seventh and eighth in the Big 12 on third and fourth downs. I just got done talking about takeaways. They were ninth in the Big 12 in takeaways. Hell, sacks, they were second in the country in pressures, and that only translated to 27 sacks. And, and that number can go up and improve. So there are a lot of ways they can improve. So, But money downs for me, I think the biggest thing for Texas, like I said, G-O-T-F, get off the field. Um, I think the biggest issue for them is they got to be able to translate that pressure into sacks. Most sacks take place on third and long, third, medium, and third and long. And somehow something is lost in translation where Texas isn't translating the pressures into sacks. That's why Sark wants to play more man-to-man. That's why Justin's saying that, you know, Terrence Brooks and those young, Malik Muhammad, those young guys are trending because Sark wants guys that can play man-to-man, press, reroute receivers, force the quarterback to hold the ball a little bit longer so the pressure can get home. Get home. Great stuff, Uh, Rod V. Uh, Okay. Uh, And the other thing I would say on that, Justin, is that Pete Kwiatkowski, if you look at his run at Boise State, at Washington, uh, you know, there was a gradual climb for his defenses. And at both of those stops, uh, Boise State and then Washington, in year three, they moved into the top ten in total defense. And uh, this is year three. They've kept the whole defensive staff together, uh, plus the recruiting and the additions of guys like Jalen Catalan and Gavin Holmes. Um, you know, that, I think that would be the goal. That would be to Rod's point. Last year they were top 30 in total defense. If they could move into top 10, top 15 territory with the improvements on those money downs and turnovers, this can be – you know, with, with an offense that's going to be explosive, the defense can be equal to that. The key is sex. Yeah. The key is sex. Last year, Texas made a big jump. They became one of the best teams in the country at quarterback pressures, but they just didn't get to the quarterback like, yeah. a, like, a, like a top 10, like a top 30 defense. They did everything else well. They just didn't get to the quarterback. They've got to find fill that gap, and I don't know where it's coming from. Ethan Burke, it's going to have to be organic and it's going to have to be, you know, manipulated in some ways. Ethan Burke has some true natural ability. I think we're going to see him grow more this year. Anthony Hill is going to play multiple positions on defense, most notably the will and the edge, possibly Buck. And he's at 235 today. And so he probably has the most pass rushing potential, athleticism, to, to, to do what they need him to do. Justice Finkley is, is going to be in the mix. To me, though, Baron Sorrell, that's the guy. Baron Sorrell is one of the toughest players in this program. He's one of the guys you don't want to throw hands with. <laughs> you need Sorrell to get into that junior mode. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I've, I've been to the dance. I've asked her out. I've been to the dance. Now we got to get Now we got to get footloose. Now we got to get crazy. And so Baron Sorrell, to me, is the biggest factor. Now, listen, the interior, they're going to sneak a few in like Coburn and, 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 and Ojimo used to do. You're going to see Byron Murphy, you know, the pit bull. He's going to get involved. Alfred Collins is going to be playing some edge, so he'll be able to generate a pass rush. But ultimately, guys, the continuity with the defensive staff is, is tremendous. you got to get sacks. And until they get sacks, I think this defense is still in a top 20, top 30, top 40 range. Get to the quarterback this season turns on itself. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, right on. What about Anthony Hill, Rod, real quick for our next question? Uh, Anthony Hill, could he be a Havoc player? I know we've heard comments about, you know, David Bendick can man that spot next to Jalen Ford, maybe weaponize Anthony Hill on pass rushing downs. We saw it in the spring game, uh, just letting him, you know, do his Micah Parsons impression, get after the ball. Yep, uh, and, it, 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 and Sark was asked, right, who are your best two pass rushers? And, guys, he said Anthony Hill and Byron Murphy, which uh-huh. is – you know, a little, uh, you know, that's not really traditionally your best pass rushers, an interior offensive line, sorry, interior defensive lineman, and then a freshman linebacker. But that goes to what Justin talked about. You might have to manipulate uh, that pass rush a little bit to they translate it into sacks. And I think that's a way to do it. Anthony Hill, just put him on the edge. He's a natural pass rusher. That's what he does really well. You can put him on the edge. Hell, his speed will be an asset out there in predictable passing situations. So I think that's the way to do it. Byron Murphy, a way to get him, uh, you know, kind of freed up. They're going to try to double him. Why wouldn't you? His BGO is amazing. Uh, and he's a beast. Like I said, he was in that uh, Bruce Feldman's, you know, top uh, freaks in college football list because he is just that. Uh, so I think they should run more twists and stunts with him. 
uh, try to get him freed up uh, on, you know, a, a, another, you know, a, a, a less athletic uh, offensive lineman or and give them less of a chance to double team him on the interior. So I think that's a way to do it too. But uh, yeah, you're right. I think they can find a way to, uh, you know, kind of manufacture some of those sacks. 27, PK said they missed 13. All right. So that means they could have had 40. He wants them to somehow bridge that gap. They should have been in the low 30s at least. I won't mention the Orion Watts miss sack in the Alabama game. I won't bring Ooh. that up, won't bring that up uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, this says, E, welcome uh, to On Texas Football and Inside Texas. Can't wait for Saturday. I get to do the first quarter with you. That's from Bobby Burton, of course. Bobby Ray. Yeah, that's a Bobby good Ray, the birthday boy. Hey, everybody, flood Bobby's phone with happy birthday calls, text messages, emails. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna put his I'm gonna put his phone number on blast. I need everyone to just hit him up, tell him we love him. Bob was trying to take a nap too, so he's gonna be upset about that. <laughs> he didn't make dinner today. Well, that's uh, that's a nice little setup. I'm excited about this. I was here tonight to get used to get to know you guys and get used to the whole format because on Saturday game day, two thirty, we'll be on live with Watch with Us, a new uh, program here on uh, you know inside Texas and on Texas football, and it's essentially think the Manning cast. We're gonna be watching the game with you uh i'll be here in the home studio watching the longhorns and rice uh you know and then as he said bobby will be on in the first quarter jay wells you'll jump on at one point rod you'll jump on uh and just analysis of the game as you're seeing it in real time uh you just like we do here with the questions from the from the, from the viewers uh fire them away comment you know bitch about the officials whatever you want to do get after it uh that's what we're going to do and you know every once in a while we might sneak in a special guest that joins us as well uh, but obviously it's about you and, uh, you know, you can turn that TV sound down on Fox and uh, fire this thing up and we'll be talking about the game in depth. It's like, you know, Rod, we talk about it on the morning show, the talking season. We're about to be done with the talking season. We're actually be able to watch some football and talk about that actual things happening on a football field. So uh, make sure you're fired up on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. If you watch this right now or any of the shows on the Longhorn live stream, you'll be able to watch that uh, same way starting at 2.30 on Saturday, maybe a little bit before 2.30 to get some pregame thoughts and get it cranked up. But looking forward to talking to all you guys during the year uh, as we talk, as we watch football together and uh, yeah. uh, really break it down. That's when it gets real philosophical, Rod. You're a football theorist. We can really get uh, you and I uh, and our buddy Brad Kellner. We did this uh, during COVID. Yeah, we did. strategy at the radio station we came yeah. up with to, to be able to talk about the games because no one could really go to the games. It was when they had you know, 25,000 at the stadium. So it really worked well. I'm used to doing it, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing it with you guys. Yeah, the Longhorn uh, community is such a a large, expansive one that's you know all over the world, and not everybody can go to the games. Not everybody can you know socialize with the family, uh, you know, like that. So uh, it's it's a way to kind of have the community, um, and so people can feel a part of the game and the whole experience. And we're just kind of opening up the on Texas football community to everybody on game day. We want to make sure that uh, that we first of all, that we're giving everybody the best analysis. All right. And all the best uh, the best resources as, as it relates to following Texas football and making sure that you're well informed about Texas football. All right. And then uh, after the game, you and Bobby will be doing the post game, which is pretty That's right. Cool too. The immediate analysis of what went that's down. must watch that is some must watch stuff man that was great stuff last year dude thanks brother thanks brother yeah, absolutely so one stop, one stop shop all right well that's good stuff right there uh do we have any more questions matt back at the uh the, horn, the headquarters there or not matthew's uh, hiding stuff i'm telling y'all y'all need to watch him <laughs> well look, look he, he's, he's saving been... the goodies for us now here they come well, Matthew's been dealing with uh, hurricane, right? He's basically this is a good question, Aaron. Yeah, he's been he's been dealing with hurricane problems. So hopefully, everybody on that uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Florida West Coast, are doing okay uh, here this evening. Uh, is Iowa State feeling an eight-man football team this season from uh, E. Kim right there? Uh, I don't know. Uh, mm. Should I should I say I wouldn't bet on it? I mean, I I bet it'd be over that would be a, a way to go. But That's a good. One. I like that. Uh, well done. Well, well done. Right. That was fun. I like that. Well That's done. That's a <laughs> I know this much. I would have called Ames this season. Texas leaves the state of t the state twice. They only leave twice. Tuscaloosa and Ames. I would have in every other year called this a trap game in Iowa State. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's I, every <laughs> other year until they got FanDuel happy last year for some reason 
I don't even know how this team is going to work. There is so much stuff going on. Yeah, man. I, Matt Campbell should have left when he could. That son of a gun's going to wind up quitting there. I don't know why. The, Matt Campbell has to be regretting turning down that Detroit Lions job every day. Reese Hall, five-star culture. <laughs> yeah, five-star app. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm with you, though, Justin. You're right. Trust me, considering the three high three down, we talked about that Sark struggled with. Haycock, John Haycock. Yeah. Sark's kryptonite, yeah, with John Haycock. And Hunter Deckers was the only quarterback last season in Big 12 play, guys, that started every game. He was the only one. Yep. And you had, you know, Matt Campbell, who's, I think, a, a decent coach, bringing back a starting quarterback. There was a good chance that Matt Campbell, who has been recruiting actually really well, looking at Iowa State standards, that you know he could have coached himself into some some crucial wins, especially a big win over Texas at home, their probably biggest home game of the year. Um, but now, yeah, they got bigger fish to fry, man. That, that team is way too distracted to be a threat to Texas. Well, and I think Matt Campbell's kind of like being anonymous out there and build that program in his own way. But him being anonymous right now is a good thing. If you're at a bigger program. The, the scandal, I mean, he at some point he's got to be asked some questions about, you know, the education of his players, what was going on in that locker room, how many, how could this many players get caught up in that? Uh, that's that's organizational failure at a lot of levels because you got to be educating your guys on the rules, especially if there's legal gambling in your state. That seems pretty obvious, but, uh, uh, you know, it's Iowa State, so people are, aren't talking about it much on a national level. And Iowa, yeah. It's, it's the gaming it, it, commission it, there. Yeah. yeah, with Kirk Ferentz. It does become an easier easier game for sure, and that's a great point, Jay Wells, to wrap things up with. Uh, that's their only trip out of Texas outside of Tuscaloosa. Every other game will be in the state, whether it's at Houston, uh, whether it's in Waco, whether it's in Dallas against Oklahoma, every other game, or, or in Austin, of course, uh, for this final year in the Big 12. Guys, that was a blast. Uh, we're over the hour, and we're getting the, the wrap-up call, and Matt, our producer's got to go figure out if he's got power at his apartment. Uh, today. Matthew, we're praying for you, buddy. Praying for you, buddy. Absolutely. Good luck, brother. Uh -huh. And happy birthday to Bobby. Uh, yep. Wishing those happy birthdays. Justin, great stuff, as always, uh, from these Texas. Right. Also, Rob B. I'll see it you tomorrow. Was. We'll be on at 6, okay? <laughs> see you in a few hours, buddy. <laughs> right. That's your Longhorn live stream. Remember, check in all, all the programming here on Inside Texas and the Longhorn live stream and on Texas football. And join us for the game on Saturday at 2.30. Uh, watch it with us. It'll be me along with a host of uh, insiders and the guests throughout the entirety of the game. Looking forward to game number one. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Welcome.